Oh, we're still waking up. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, it's wonderful to see you. Welcome. Come on in. Hey, you know what they say? Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> okay, you are awake. Stand with us as you're able. This one comes right out of John 3:16. We're celebrating the awesome gift of God. Join us.
upon a new year, let us remember and focus upon your faithfulness, God. It's so easy to look, to focus on all the things that are not of you, to focus on media headlines, to focus on negativity, God. But if we look back and we look for your faithfulness, you have woven a beautiful tapestry, God. Your faithfulness is so true if we are only seeking for it. Your goodness, God, is right there in front of us. Just as the Apostle Paul said, let us think about things that are true, things that are noble, things that are right, lovely, admirable. Let us be a church that focuses on the things that are of you, God. We ask you to come alongside us as our counselor, as our coach, to keep us on track. Lord, we just look to you as the answer, God. As we start a new year, let it be a new year founded on you and your love and your faithfulness. We thank you for this time to spend in your presence to bless you for who you are. May you receive it as a sweet incense this morning. We dedicate the service to you, and may you anoint Steve as he brings us your word this morning. We offer it to you in your name and for your glory. And all God's children this morning say, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here either uh, in person or online. We're excited to celebrate uh, the new year with you. And speaking of celebrations, it's important as a family, which we, I, I like to think we, Northview, we are a family. We celebrate together. Uh, today we're going to celebrate one of our own, achieving a significant milestone in their life. It's Steve's birthday today. <laughs> now, Here's the thing with our staff. We are all hired for very particular reasons. I'm not the worship director. You don't see me up here singing. So if we want to sing Steve Happy Birthday, I, I got to delegate to the rest of you to do it. Can we, can we sing Steve a happy birthday this morning? Go. <laughs> All right. Nothing like a good old-fashioned awkward family birthday. That's fantastic. Hey, we do have some other things going on. Not that Steve's not important, but we got a couple other things now that we're in the new year that we wanted to let you know about. Uh, we have two new uh, women's Bible studies that are going to be starting up soon. This one is on the 14th. That is next Thursday either in person or online. You can sign up for that uh, on the website. There is another one um, as well that starts on the 10th, and that's next Sunday. So ladies, we wanted to provide you on behalf of uh, Susan, our women's director, she wanted to provide you a couple different options to be able to be plugged in, engaged. Uh, I want to encourage you, check these out online. You can reach out to Susan. Uh, if you have questions, we're happy to point you in the right direction if you need it, uh, but want to encourage you. This is a great time. New year, dive on in to a study. Speaking of Bible studies, last week uh, Phil shared with us about reading through the Bible, laid out some different ways that we could do that. I want to encourage you, it's very common today, we're, we're just three days into the new year and you hear, oh, read through the Bible, that's right, I was going to sign up, oh, the new year already started, so I can't do that anymore. But don't have that mindset, just take that and, and set it aside, it's not too late to dive in. The more important thing is to just spend time in the Word. If you head to our website, nview.org, you're going to find a ton of different plans to help you. Because sometimes sitting down with this 66-chapter book, book 
it's a little intimidating to know where to start, where to begin, what am I supposed to do. We've outlined a bunch of different plans. And I want to encourage you, go online, find one that works well for you. Maybe it's just spending time in the New Testament a couple times this year. Maybe it is reading through the whole Bible or taking a look at things in the order in which they happened or there's even more than that. But head online, sign up for one of them, find someone to help keep you accountable and see how spending a year in the Bible can really change your life for the better. So this week, uh, we want to let you know that our youth group, Impact, uh, we're still on Christmas break. And I know for some of our students, like, oh, we just want to get back high school on Tuesday and middle school on Thursday. Why are we taking more time off? And I'm going to give you a very simple reason. I would like to ask, if you are here and you serve with our middle school or high school, can you stand up real quick, please? So there's a handful of them here. We've got a team of about 22 uh, yeah, you guys can. They, they're in it to serve, not for the attention. I love it. Uh, I want to give them some, some family time. Christmas and New Year's is busy. I want to make sure they get some time with their family into the New Year. A lot of them have kids restarting school this week. We have an incredible team that serves with our middle school and high school, and we want to honor them by giving them just a little bit more time. So we're going to start youth group up next week. So on Tuesday is high school and middle school is on Thursday. So this week, leaders, please continue to enjoy a little bit of time. Enjoy it, and we'll be back next week. We will have student services today. So middle school in just a few minutes, we'll be heading out. New year, if you want to give in person, we have the boxes in the back, or you can head online or drop it in the mail. Uh, still not passing buckets. We'll get back to that someday down the road. But thank you guys for your giving in 2020. Uh, we're excited now that we're at a new year to see where that'll go. And we will have information about 2021 business meeting and budgets and all of that for you very soon. Keep an eye out on e-news, and we'll probably have something for you up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Uh, Lord, thank you for the start of a new year. Thank you for this time this morning to reconnect with one another and with you. May you be a part of the services today. Be with us as we head into this new year, Lord. Help us plan in association and in conjunction, in alignment with you. Be with Steve. In your son's name, amen. If you're in middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, we're going to head out those doors and right upstairs to the youth room. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for singing happy birthday to me. I feel the love. All right. I am 64 no more. There we go. Hey, I also want to just jump on what Rob was saying. I want to thank Phil Wagner for filling in last week. He did a great job. He really talked about the importance of being in the Word. And I, again, like Rob said, we have several different plans. For me, the hard part is just going online, right? Any of you, the rest of you, right? Once I'm there, it's not too bad, but the thought of trying to get there seems like a lot of work. I don't know why, but um, I just encourage you, actually go online and look at the different plans that are there. Um, I think you'll find one that would be a real encouragement. And again, like Rob said, you are not behind if you haven't started yet, all right? So easy to catch up and, and be able to do that. Uh, there's the old saying, we will find him if we seek him with all our heart, all right? And nothing lines our heart up better with God than prayer and being in his word. Um, also, we have a, a special one this morning we, we need to pray. Amanda's mom, uh, Rob, Amanda Henry, Rob's wife, her mom, Diane, uh, was taken in the ER last night. And many of you know she had a, a seizure 10 years ago, and she's uh, had a hard time. Well, she's having a brain bleed, and, uh, and that's complicated by the aneurysms of for 10 years ago. And she's also severely handicapped, so because of that. So uh, we want to pray for them this morning. That's a really tough thing, and uh, you can't even be up there to be with them and that sort of stuff. So uh, as we go into the morning, we're going to pray for them. So would you join me? Let's pray for them as a family. Lord, we, you say to celebrate with those who celebrate and to cry with those who cry. And, and this morning, we're with the Rice family. Lord, we pray for Diane, and Lord, we don't know what this means. We don't have an update. We don't know if this is going home time. We don't know if this is your hand of healing. Touch on her. We seek you for that. We pray for John. We know that, uh, Lord, he's, he's taken care of her for the last 10 years, and he's exhausted, and all the new COVID rules make it horrific trying to be with your spouse, and we don't know how that's all playing out. We just lift them up as a family, Lord. We lift Diane up to you into your watch care. We 
lift John up to you. We lift Rob and Amanda and the rest of the family members, her brother and uh, all the rest that we seek you for them. We know there's a large tribe and posse that belong to that. And Lord, as we come this morning, just a reminder that our times are in your hands. And as we come into this brand new year, we seek you. We don't know what the year will hold, but you do. And Lord, we pray that this morning will help encourage us to lean in. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. All right. Thanks so much. Well, good morning and welcome to 2021. Right? Here we are. You feel any different? (laughs) Well, you know, whether it's going to be a good year or not kind of remains to be seen. Uh, But nonetheless, forgetting what lies behind us, we'll press on to the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And in case you didn't recognize that little tongue-in-cheek phrasing, yes, indeed, we are back in our study of Philippians. We've been out for a while. Remember, we took a break before Christmas, and so this morning we come back to it. And we're going to pick up in chapter 3, so if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn there right away. Uh, Welcome this morning. Those of you online, get settled. want to remind you online at home, if you're watching, that this morning is communion, and we'll be doing communion together. So I'd encourage you to uh, get the elements ready. Uh, so that you're ready to share in communion with us as well. Before we uh, go on, let's just do a brief review. I don't know about you, but uh, before Christmas seems like five years ago. Is that true for anybody else? So let's just go through a brief review of Philippians, just so that we're back in that that line of thinking. So chapter 1, do you remember? Paul was incredibly grateful to the Philippian church. They were a faithful church. They were a loyal church. They had supported him from the very beginning. Uh, not just financially, but they prayed for him. They had his back. They sent people to him. Messages went back and forth. And, and Paul said that the gospel was furthering and multiplying because of their efforts. Paul applauded their faithfulness. And Paul rejoiced because of their prayers. And because of their prayers, he expected to be soon released from prison that he was in. And so uh, this was really tangible uh, for Paul at this point. And then also Paul said in chapter 1, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, and if you think about that, that's not just words for Paul, right? If you read that list of all he went through, you know, the beatings and the whippings and the stonings and the shipwrecks, that dude took a pounding. And I imagine he hurt pretty much. I imagine every morning that he got up, it was an effort to get things loosened up and just get rolling down the road again. And for him, the thought of, hey, wouldn't it be great to just go home? It had to be a powerful stimulus. And yet he says, um, he wanted to depart, but he says, you know, it would be much better if I stayed for you. And so he was motivated by that kind of of love for them. And uh, and Paul says in this chapter that uh, we should live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Uh, we talked about those four, remember, the four that we laid out uh, through the fall, and that they'll probably apply to this year as well. Um, but we're to strive for the gospel, and it's granted for us not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake as well. And we usually like the first part, and we don't like the second, right? We usually like, hey, it's, it's awesome, um, we get to believe in him, but we don't like the part of I get to suffer for him as well. And uh, that yet remains to be seen how that will play out in our country, but we will see where it goes. Chapter 2, we are to follow Christ's example of humility. And the problem with that is it's hard to get a handle on what it was like to be God and let that go, right? But I think we have enough illustrations in our lives of things that really matter to us, and God has told us, let it go, right? Don't walk through life like this. Let it go. Have an open hand policy. Uh, It's just easy uh, to be bent out of shape. And Paul says that we need to follow Jesus' example of humility and that because of that, because of the most incredible, miraculous thing that the world has ever known, that when Jesus' name will be mentioned eternity, but even here, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And that because of that, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That means we should know come to him and we should give him honor appropriate to what he's done. And that means we should come 
with fear because we know that he holds our future in his hands. And by fear, I mean respect. And we're to do all things because of that without grumbling or complaining. Of course, we have that down, so we can move on from that one. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. And by the way, this uh, not grumbling and complaining, not having a complaining spirit, it is so easy to do. All right? Uh, But when we don't have that, we stand out as lights in our world. People recognize there's something different. So that's important. Then chapter 2 continued, even if we're poured out as a drink offering, that means the best of our life just gets dumped out as an offering to God. It's worth it. We're to rejoice. Uh, We ran into Timothy. Paul says there's none like him. Uh, Timothy was a true son in the gospel, and he totally sought the interests of Christ. And then we also ran into Epaphroditus, right, who nearly died for the work of Christ. And uh, Epaphroditus has always been the equivalent of a sacrificial servant for Christ. He's always been held up that way. Uh, down through the centuries. Then we've moved into chapter 3, Rejoice in the Lord, right, is repeated. And Paul says this, watch out for those who twist the Gospels. I don't know if it was just the holidays or what, but as I was reading things, I was coming across all these different twists to the holiday season. I don't know if any, anybody else, but... Uh, it's like they were working overtime to make Christmas not Christmas. Because if it was really Christmas, Jesus would be in it, and, and then we'd have to mention that, and we don't want to mention that, so we'll twist it into something else. And, and it's like they almost worked overtime to do that, and it really irritated my spirit to watch that happen. I was just, I have other words for it, but I can't say it because it's my birthday and we're in church. All right. Paul also says, don't put your confidence in the flesh and by flesh what you can do. Your power, your ability, your, your decrees, um, your accolades, your merits. Uh, he says that's not going to get you into heaven. I'll never forget we were in, uh, up at the prison with John Burkhalter one time and a, a buddy of his came through and John says, hey, I haven't seen you before. Where have you been? He says, oh, I've been in the drumming. And he, John says, just remember, drumming won't get you into heaven. Right? And that just has always stuck with me just... Just remember, your accolades are all the things that you hold are so important. That does not get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is your faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is pointing that out about putting confidence in the flesh. And instead says, have a salvation that comes from the righteousness of Christ. In other words, it's a salvation by faith. I am saved because I've placed my faith in Jesus. What he did on the cross, I trust, is the ticket and the, the lever that puts in motion salvation for me for eternity, not something I've done. It's something that Jesus has done. And then Paul says, as a result of this, count everything as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. That's just a beautiful picture. Then continue on, that we have a righteousness that comes from God and not from man. In other words, it's something that God gives us as we cooperate with us, cooperate with him. And that we may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. By any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying the resurrection in heaven is more important than anything else on the planet. It's what everybody should be aiming for. It's what everybody should be pointing to because it's that important. So today's message is entitled, you're saying, wow, we got a message after this, we're still going, yes. Today's message is titled, Straining Towards the Goal. And uh, I cannot think of a more appropriate encouragement and exhortation for us today than these verses we're about to look at. So uh, before we go, can we just pray again? All right, Lord, I just want to pray again because these are some great verses. And I do not want my words to just fall to the ground. And the only way that happens is they're energized and charged by your spirit. Lord, my friends here have to breathe through masks. The ones at home have to watch through a TV set. And there's all kinds of things that can get in the way and distract us because of that while we're thinking about your word. Lord, would you help us focus this morning on this? Keep our brains sharp, keep our minds going, keep our oxygen levels high. And uh, Lord, may you be at work among us. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. All right, so let's take a look. We're starting in verse 12. And Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained this, 
or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The point here that Paul's trying to emphasize is that in all these encouragement that he's given the Philippian church, the ones we just went through, uh, that he's given to the Philippian church, he's not acting like or even remotely suggesting that he's already arrived. Right? Uh, it's a great trap of preachers is to act like I've arrived where you're supposed to be. And therefore, you should follow me because I'm already there. And, and, and it's, it's a subtle trap. It's, it's one that many uh, pastors fall into, and I, I worry about it myself. Uh, but what Paul's trying to emphasize is, hey, I myself haven't arrived in this. I'm doing it just like you are. I have to walk the same faith. I have to do the same steps. I'm, I'm in it with you. I'm very much, as we would say in our culture, in process, right? Favorite term we like to use. And what he's counteracting here is the deadly danger of spiritual pride. In case you haven't heard of that, that's a danger, right? It's something that we can fall into. I would call it the big daddy britches syndrome, right? That's, that's an old way of saying it, um, it's one of, it was one of the sins of the major sins of the Corinthian church. Remember how Paul had to go back and back to the Corinthian church? Matter of fact, two of the bigger letters in the New Testament are to the Corinthian church about this issue. Look in 2 Corinthians 11. It'll be up on the screen, but just as an example, he says for, because Paul's miffed at him at the Corinthian church. He says, you know, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. He's saying you kind of swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. Anybody just comes along and throws out something new or different, you kind of swallow it. Indeed, I consider that I'm not at least inferior to these super apostles. You can tell there's some sarcasm and some bite in that term. Okay, He's ticked. I led you to Christ. I shepherded you. I started the church. I taught you. How in the world are you deviating so quickly just because I'm not there? That's all the language behind the scenes. Paul was on trial by those who claimed to be uh, spiritually greater than him. And they would say things like, yeah, you know, he writes weighty letters, but in person, he's not so much. Short little mutated guy, you know, not that impressive. Just think about that for a second. You know, humans, it's just so easy to get puffed up, isn't it? Uh, we, talk, we, we call it getting full of ourselves. And, uh, and also notice that for these quote-unquote super apostles, it was a lot easier for them to do that when Paul wasn't there. <laughs> we can have a lot of courage when the other person isn't there. They weren't so big in their britches when Paul showed up. Right? And Paul actually said, how am I to come to you? Am I going to come in kindness or do I have to come with discipline? Which one you want? Uh-oh. You know, that we call, in my world, when my dad did that, we, my dad had, uh, he'd cock his eyebrow. And once that happened, you knew the line was right there. Now, do you want to cross that and die or would you like to live? And that's kind of what Paul's saying here. He's, he's wrestling with the Corinthian church and he's upset. Uh, and you can see the same syndrome in the Christian world all around us, right? I mean, uh, I'm more spiritual than you. I've gone deeper in the Word than you. Uh, I have better doctrine than you. Uh, I'm closer to the Lord than you, etc., etc., etc. Right? We just uh, we run into that all the time. Uh, you've seen it. Uh, worse, we've all done it. <laughs> That's the bad part. And Paul's saying, "Hey, stay away from that like the plague." Paul had even listed all his credentials in the first part of the chapter. Remember, he said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews and went on through the, all the list. And he says, all of that amounts to absolutely nothing. But, there is, but here is the core idea that he's trying to get at. He hasn't arrived yet. And what he's trying to tell the Philippian church, neither of you. We're in this process. We don't know where this process is going, but we're in a process and we've got to let the Lord take that process where he wants to go. And he uses the phrase, I press on. Uh, I'm looking at Alex. Alex plays football. Alex knows what that term means. I press on. It means when you're tired and you're out of gas and you've run your routes and you've done all this stuff and then the coach calls another one. 
And you got a couple choices. You can tell the coach you don't want to do it, or you can tell the coach, I'll think about it, or you can just do it, right? And Paul's saying here, the attitude that we have to have is that no matter how difficult things get or how dreary they get, we have to continue to press on. Press on means I keep going. I keep leaning in uh, towards Christ, one step in front of the other. Moving towards Christ is the idea, not away from him, right? And if you just have a mental picture, which way am I leaning? Am I leaning towards the Lord or am I leaning away from the Lord, right? Kind of this way. Which way is my body posture? Which way is my spirit posture? Then he says something really intriguing. He says this, I press on to make it my own, and here's the key phrase, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And there's incredible value in those couple little words there. And you have to remember who the Apostle Paul was. Remember who the Apostle Paul was? Apostle Paul originally started as what? The persecutor of the church. Never actually says, but we know for sure that he broke into homes and dragged people out and threw them into jail. That includes men and women. And we know that people were put to death. Whether Paul actually did it or he instigated it, we don't know totally for sure. But he sure knows because when he writes those epistles, he says, I am unworthy and I am the least worthy of the apostles because I did those things. And in here, Paul says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. There's an incredible understanding of value right there, of gratefulness that often we would miss. Uh, it's an issue of ownership. I need to own my faith. I need to make it my own. Uh, I, I have a picture here. Uh, this is a 1964 Rambler. That was my first car. Whoop, whoop, styling, the girls went wild. Now, as I remember, this one looks way nicer than mine did, okay? Uh, this one's all fixed up. Uh, that was my first car. I paid my Uncle Louie 50 bucks for it, okay? Any of you remember those days? And man, did I love that car. That thing was awesome. Couldn't do 60 miles an hour, but it was awesome, okay? And why did I love it? Because it was mine. It was my first car. I polished that, I washed that thing, I polished that thing, I vacuumed it out, I changed the oil, I did all the stuff to make sure it was running and right, and why? Because it was mine. And because it was mine, I took care of it, right? It wasn't somebody else's, it was mine. And here's the principle. The principle for this morning is what I own, I take care of, right? What I own, I take care of. Which brings us to the question Paul is raising this morning is do you own your faith? Do you own your faith like I own that car? That was my car and I took care of it. Do you own your faith the same way or is it somebody else's faith? Is it a supposed to faith? I go to church because I'm supposed to. Uh, I, I do these things because that's what good people do. That's not owning your faith. Owning your faith is I do the Christian life because Jesus has owned me. I am grateful that he found me. I'm grateful that he rescued me, and I'm grateful and because of that gratefulness, I lean in. I take care of it. Why? Because I own my faith. I own that relationship. Is it yours? Do you, do you take care of it? And this raises another question that Paul also answers in this verse. Why should I own my own faith? Right? Let's just ask that one. And the answer is because Jesus has made me his own. Jesus has owned me, therefore I need to own him. We would call it, that's, that's more transactional language, but we would call that what? A relationship. You ever try to date someone that doesn't want to date you? Doesn't go too well. Hey, would you like to go? Sure. Awesome. How about Friday night? Oh, I got to work Friday night. Oh, okay, no problem. How about maybe Saturday night? Oh, we do family stuff on Saturday night. Okay, well, no problem. Uh, what about Sunday? Oh, I go to church on Sunday. Oh, okay. Uh, well, how about next week? I'm going, no, I'm busy then too. Well, how about a month from now? No, that's not going to work either. Right? Wow, what's going on here? I thought you said you wanted to go out with me. Oh, I do. I do. Well, will a year from now work? No. 
And some of us live the Christian life that way. The Holy Spirit bumps us and says, how about we spend some time together today? Oh, I'm really busy today. Awfully tired, Lord. Brutal schedule I've been keeping. Can't, can't keep it up. The answer that Paul gave is why we need to own our faith is because Jesus has made me his own. He owns me. I owe, we all owe Jesus a tremendous debt of love and gratitude for what he's done. We have no idea what heaven's going to be like, and yet we're going to walk into it because what he's done for us. And there should be a reciprocal response back to him. And as he identifies with us, just saying that, the king of the universe is willing to identify with you this morning. Whether you're here or you're online watching, he identifies with you. He says, that, that's my son. That's my daughter. I know their name. I know how old they are. I know their address. I know where they live. I know their phone number. He knows more about you than your smartphone knows about you. <laughs> Think about that. As he identifies with us, so we must identify with him. Paul uses the term pressing on. Pressing on. I keep moving towards him. Look at verses 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the first line uh, with this first line, Paul's declaring that he hasn't arrived yet, as we've talked about, uh, to the full knowledge of Christ. That he's actually in the middle of the whole adventure. And he's passing on what he's learning to the Philippian church. And because of that, he uses a race analogy. And in a, in a race, uh, you don't focus on the ground you've already covered or what is behind you. If any of you run cross country or track, you know uh, very well uh, that if David or Isaac were here, they could tell us real quickly. But many races are lost by people looking backwards to see how close the competition is. And if you want to do something sometime, go on uh, Google or YouTube and uh, look up races lost in the last second. For, and you'll find these people looking back. And Paul says, don't look back, keep running. Okay, okay? So he's using this race analogy. And he says... In a race, you focus on what's in front of you. You're grateful if you ran the last mile, but you have, if you're going the second mile, you've got to focus on that. And so Paul says, very specifically, forgetting what lies behind, and here's the key word, straining forward. When you're running, you strain. Right? Pressing forward. This means leaning into the race that's marked out for me. And notice that the race that's marked out for me is my race. It's not your race. Now, there's some similarities to it, especially in the faith arena, but we all have different races that we have to, to run. And so my race isn't your race, and your race isn't my race. We each have to run the race of faith that's marked out for us. And as we come into 2021, a great question to give some thought to is, are you running your race? Are you running the race that Jesus has designed for you, and are you leaning forward? Are you pressing onto the goal? Are you cooperating with him? Maybe that is as simple as saying, Lord, I need to go to the website, find a plan, and I need to get on it and read it. That's your step of faith in leaning in this morning. Are you straining for the goal, which is Christ Jesus himself? Now stop and think about that. We just had Christmas, right? And I'm sure you got presents. I got presents, got cool stuff, right? And it was great fun, right? So often when we think of if we're doing something, what's the reward? What's, what's the benefit? What's the payday? What, what am I going to get for this? Right? And when it comes to heaven, we often think, ooh, mansions, streets of gold, you know, I'll, I'll learn how to play harp. Okay, that's not so cool. Um, you know, but we think of what's the reward in it, right? What, what's going to be fun about this? And right here, it says the goal is what? Christ Jesus himself. In other words, what are we chasing after? The beginning of the year is a good time to evaluate that. I, I, am I chasing after the world? Am I chasing after stuff? Or am I chasing after the kingdom? Or am I trying to do all three simultaneously and just wiped out in the process? Again, notice the prize. This is a really key point. And this is really important. So let's make it crystal clear. If you're listening this morning, if you're watching this morning, Get this point. 
What is the prize of the Christian life? The prize of the Christian life is Jesus himself. Okay, what you get at the end is Jesus. And you've got to decide if that's good enough or not. Many want to go to heaven, but really do not have much interest in the Savior himself. It's kind of like, maybe heaven's big enough that Jesus will be over in that part, and I'll be at this part, and we really won't have to deal with each other. But I'll be in heaven. That's not going to work. Just read Revelation and the new Jerusalem. You'll find out that that's not a good plan. But this is exactly the point. What makes heaven great is that Jesus is there. Right? Think of gold, for example. We, we hold gold. I'm a, a gold panner. Our wedding rings are made out of gold, I found. You know, gold's held in high value, right? If you want to worry about the market, get into gold instead of all the right, other kind of stuff. Gold is used as paving material up there. In other words, the stuff we think is so precious down here is used for building material. That just tells you that all the stuff is flipped and that what's really exciting, what's really phenomenal, what's really thrilling, what's really wonderful is when I get to heaven, I get to be with Jesus. Jesus is what makes heaven great. And so if you've got some kinks and knots in your spiritual system, get them out and get it figured out with Jesus so that when you show up, you go, ha, I knew you'd be here. Man, you're awesome. I'm so glad that we can spend eternity together. This is cool. Jesus is his own reward. Notice the prize of the upward call is in Christ Jesus, not outside of him. So we can do that right now. We don't have to wait for heaven. Heaven can start right now. We can, we can do it right now. Why such an emphasis by Paul on this faith discipline? In 1 Corinthians 9, he says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may be obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. And they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. All right? And again, the whole point is that Paul knew he hadn't arrived. He was still in the process of running the race. And he wants us to keep pressing forward so as, as not to get disqualified. And this is a verse for all of us, but especially for myself and others who find themselves in ministry. Uh, this is a really important one. Uh, we need to stay under the lordship of Jesus and under his discipline. Okay? Again, what the Lord's asked of you is different than what the Lord's asked of me, but if you're reading scripture, there's a lot of stuff the same. We need to stay under the lordship of Jesus and under his discipline, lest after preaching to others, we might ourselves become disqualified. Right? And there's, there's almost nothing worse in the Christian world than a key leader going down. Right? And, and we've all seen it. We've all had expectations dashed. And I live in mortal fear of that. And, you know, just, Lord, please help me finish well. Right? Because it's just so easy to miss the mark. After preaching to others, I myself might become disqualified. So let's look at that again. Verses 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Right? If any of you are over 40, there's a lot that lies behind. Some good, some bad. I forget what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So each day, every day I step, I lean forward, I press on in faith towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And what if I get knocked down? You get back up. What if I get off the trail? Well, then I need to repent, admit I, that I got off the trail, that I know I'm supposed to be on, and I get back on the trail. What if I stop? I start by faith back up again. Right? You don't just sit there. You, you get back up. You're resilient. You bounce off the blows and you, you come back at it. And then Paul says this in uh, verses 15 and 16, let those of us who are mature think this way. 
And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is a real key part here. This phrase uh, right here, let those of us who are mature think this way, uh, it could be flipped to read this way. If you think you're mature, then this is the way you ought to think about your faith. If you think you're mature, this is how you should land. As we've seen from the book already, you should be involved. You should rejoice. You should be humble. We saw all of these. You should press on towards the goal of the upward call of Christ Jesus. And as we so famously lobbied here at Northview three times this morning already, and if you're sick of it, you need another church. Okay? We should be in the Word. We should be reading the Word. We should know the Word. It's not good enough to say, well, it's somewhere in the Bible. Where? Can you point it to somebody? Can you take somebody there? Okay? Do, they, do you know how to find it? And then Paul says, and if there are minor points of difference, God will reveal that to us also. In other words, let's let God settle out the differences. Let's commit it to prayer, and God will reveal which way you should go or what you should do, and we'll find, we'll find the middle together. Right? That is, by the way, it sounds easy, hard to do. Right? Finding the God-given middle. It sounds like it should be a simple thing. If you know Jesus, I know Jesus, we'll pray about it. Oh, it should be easy to figure out the middle, right? Well, just get married and try doing that. How easy is it? Not that easy, right? And that's what church splits are over, and that's what we end up developing very contentious spirits because it's a lot of work to find the God-given middle. Paul's last point is especially important. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. In the Christian life, we are to go from faith to faith, strength to strength, and glory to glory. Uh, We are not to go backwards. We are strongly encouraged not to backslide. And backslide means, I used to walk with Jesus, I was close to him at one time, but I don't do that stuff anymore. I've kind of gotten away from it. I've kind of... Uh, deconstructed my faith is the word we were looking up today uh, with James. Proverbs 14, 14, you should memorize this one. It's a good one. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and the good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And notice that could play out over a lifetime. The end tally on that comes when God takes into account the tally, not when we take into account the tally. Bible says, do not be envious of a wicked man when it seems like they're getting away with it because their end will be sudden. It says, continue in faithfulness towards God. Continue to trust him. We are to move forward towards Christ, not backwards and away from him. We're supposed to move from faith to faith, not to unbelief. We're, to, we're not to go from strength to weakness, but from strength to strength. And we're not to go from glory to shame. Paul's saying that whatever stage in the Christian life you are at, so it doesn't matter this morning if you are uh, just beginning. It doesn't matter if you've walked for five years or ten years. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor of the church. It doesn't matter uh, if you've been at it for 60 years. What he's saying here is, whatever stage of Christian life you're at, whatever maturity level you're at, hold true to that position. In other words, stop, don't go any farther. Don't backslide, don't fall apart. Stay there, hold your ground. And then from there, once you hold the ground... Figure out how to move forward. Uh, any of you who've hiked in the Northwest understand this. You ever been on some of the slippery ground, the slippery slopes, right, in the Northwest? And you can stand and also what happens? <laughs> Down you go, right? But there's always a point in there somewhere where the ground kind of piles up and you stop. Well, when that happens, you don't hit the ground further and say, well, I want to slide further. I didn't go off the cliff. Too bad. Let's, let's do this thing. No, you, you pause and go, whoo! Glad that held. Okay, now, how do we get back up there, right? Step, 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 and you go back, and you meticulously have to put it back together to regain the ground you lost. Same thing in the Christian faith. You have to meticulously step by faith to put the ground back together that you lost if you chose to sin or you chose to disobey. You have to figure out how to move forward. Well, this is great advice, not just for the Philippian church, but it's great advice for us today. It's gr- especially as we head into 2021. Uh, it's going to take, I believe, 
great maturity and perseverance to navigate this year. I don't know what this year is going to bring, but I bet you it's going to have some surprises. I bet you it's going to have some whoops. I bet you it's going to have, oh, no. Right? There's going to be some things like that. There's probably also going to be some really good things. There's going to be, oh, we never thought that would happen. Right? Some great stuff that, that the Lord's going to do. But it's going to take, I believe, great maturity and perseverance to navigate this year in a God-honoring and Christ-like way. And I think this year, like last year, will again be loaded with distractions. Any of you distracted this year? Right? It's going to be loaded with distractions that will make it easy to lose, make it easy to lose a kingdom focus. Uh, by the way, if you're at home watching, uh, would you begin to get the elements ready so that we can do communion together? Thank you. This year, again, we'll take faith to continue pressing forward for the prize of the upward call because there will be a lot of things trying to press us away from that call. There's still this thing called warfare. There's still this thing called the devil. There's still the, an enemy that is trying to take us out. Next week, Paul's going to point out some of those distractions and distractors but his exhortation to this morning is hold the course. Steady as she goes. Stay focused. And notice, that's exactly what communion is designed to do. I'm going to grab mine here, excuse me, for just a second while I step down. If you take your communion and, and uh, begin to uh, get ready, I have to make sure I don't spill mine all over my Bible. There we go. Had a dream last night that I was doing communion. I couldn't get the bag open. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm 65 and I can't open a communion bag. It's all over. Yeah. You know, if you think of communion, what does communion do? When you think of this symbol, it's ingenious what Jesus did. Because communion keeps you looking forward. Think of the two parts of it. What's the first part? First part is the bread. What does Jesus say? Remember what I did for you. In other words, that's the hold part. Remember what was purchased for you. Remember what took place. Remember that my body was broken for you. That's the focal point. Lock in there. Jesus says, do this in memory of me. But then the forward point. Jesus said, this is my blood which is shed for the forgiveness or the remission of your sins. It's clean. The slate's clean. And what does he say about this? I will never drink this again until I, what? Return. So this points, if we're still doing this, he hasn't come yet. What does this point us? It points us forward. It points us, there's a time when he is going to come and when we take this, we are anticipating his return. We still believe that he's coming back. We put our faith in that. That's what we anchor everything to. And Jesus says, yeah, you keep looking forward because you're mine. I owe you. I own you and you own me. Drink this in memory of me. My hope is you were encouraged this morning. Lean into 2021. Let's do this by faith. Let's see what God has for us. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this this morning. We thank you for the symbolism. We thank you for incredible words, incredible illustrations. Take that and land that with us, Lord. Help us uh, to improve with you. Help us to own you the way you own us. May that be a great love relationship, Lord. Like my wife always says, Jesus, we love you a lot. That's just a great way to express it. Lord, we love you a lot. And may that be the hallmark of this church. And we give that to you in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite you to stand with us as you're able to close. We're basically going to turn what Steve was just talking about into a prayer. Let us remain steadfast. Let us hold true to what we have already attained. Let us lean in. Let's end with that as our prayer, church.
God is good, and he is good all the time. Let's go into that attitude of 2021, right? God is good, and he's good all the time. Let's go after him. Let's chase him. Let's find him. Let's make this a banner year for the kingdom of Jesus. All right? Let's pray. Father, may that be so. Help us individually. Help us corporately. Help us here. Help us online. Help us move. Give us your speed, your pace. Give us endurance. Give us your strength. We ask for this in your name and all God's people said, amen. All right. Thank you, everybody online. Thank you. We'll see you hopefully soon. And. Uh